This is an AMI podcast. Hi, Dave Brown here. I'm the host of Now with Dave Brown on AMI-audio. We want to keep you in the now and in the know with information on news, politics, and technology, all curated and presented by members of the blind and partially sighted community, which of course includes me. So give Now with Dave Brown a listen wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Joita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. It's Dorothy McNaughton, the AMI community reporter from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. On this International Day of Persons with Disabilities, I think it's really important that we use this time to create awareness about people with disabilities, their abilities, their um, needs, their desire to be included in mainstream society. And I think it's a good opportunity to talk about inclusion in all aspects of society and in true accessibility by removing barriers that currently exist. So it's it's wonderful to see the United Nations um, creating this day all across the world and hopefully uh, people in Canada will pay attention and learn more about the people with disabilities in their communities and how they can contribute to what goes on in all aspects of society. For me, the International Day of People with Disabilities is a day where I not only feel thankful, but I'm also humbled. I'm thankful for all that I have today and all that we have as a community, but I'm also humbled by the experiences of all those within the disability community before me and the struggles that they faced as a whole to achieve the most basic of human rights. This day, I'm also very inspired. I'm inspired by the progress that society as a whole has made and that we within the disability community have been able to achieve. And that's why I became an advocate, not only for the blind community, but for disabilities as a whole, striving to achieve more and educate so I can do my part to be part of our forward progress. Today, we discuss International Day of Persons with Disabilities. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Joitha Gupta, and I'm the host of the program, and today is a very big day for the disability community because it is indeed a celebration of International Day of Persons with Disabilities. The date itself is December 3rd, so I know we're a couple of days behind, but it's exciting nevertheless because we are setting up for a big event here at AMI-audio. The team at AMI-audio will be live casting and broadcasting a conference that's been organized by the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians, or AEBC. And that AEBC conference will bring together voices from across Canada to deliberate on some of the important issues facing the disability community at this point in time. The two voices you heard on the clip just as we got into the program were Dorothy McNaughton and Derek Lackey. Both are community reporters at AMI-audio, and both give us a sense of why IDPD is important to them. This year's theme 
for the United Nations International Day of Persons with Disabilities is Building Back Better towards a disability-inclusive, accessible, and sustainable post-COVID-19 world. Later on in the program, we'll hear from Minette Samaru, the president of the AEBC's Toronto chapter, who will fill us in on what you can expect at their event coming up later on this afternoon. But first, joining us is the Honorable Carla Qualtro, Minister of Employment, Workforce Development, and Disability Inclusion. Minister Qualtro has been a champion of disability rights and has been the sole driver or a major force behind the Accessible Canada Act. I'm going to speak to Minister Qualtro about what the significance of IDPD is to her and how the government is acknowledging the United Nations theme in some of their activities, services, and initiatives across the country stemming from COVID-19. Minister Qualtro, welcome to The Pulse. It's really great to have you on the program. How are you? I'm fine, and thanks for having me. International Day for Persons with Disabilities is a big milestone for Canadians with disabilities. What does it mean to you personally? Really good question, and and first of all, happy IDPD. You know, it's a time (laughs) for us as the disability community to, to reflect and look back at how far we've come, the challenges we've overcome most recently during the pandemic, the things we need to look ahead to as we build back better. And it's why I think that the IDPD's theme from this year of building back better towards a disability inclusive world is really timely. It's really Mm -hmm. at the heart of what we're trying to do in the government of Canada and the work I'm personally trying to advance on behalf of everyone in this country with a disability. You read my mind because I was about to ask you about the theme, the UN theme, which is indeed build back better towards a disability inclusive, accessible and sustainable post-COVID world. I know that the government uh, in a recent fall economic update really has put money towards helping Canadians who are struggling most in the here now, but also looking to uh, build back in a sustainable way and put lots of money towards childcare and things like that. What is the government doing to support Canadians with disabilities during the pandemic? Again, really important question. You know, for me personally and for the government and the prime minister, it was about taking a disability-inclusive approach to our pandemic response from the beginning. So whether it was a broad initiative like the CERB or a more targeted initiative like the GST or the one-time disability payment, we really understood the impact it would have on our citizens with disabilities. We struck the COVID Disability Advisory Group with experts and individuals with lived experience to give us real-time on the ground, up-to-date feedback on what was going on in our communities and tried to, really tried hard to not only deliver for Canadians with disabilities, but so that our citizens with disabilities could see themselves and what we were doing, that they could feel like we were there for them during this crisis. Um, well, say honestly, is what this revealed was a, a, a lot of gaps in our systems and mm-hmm. it revealed uh, how hard it was 
and you know, I, I say this in all sincerity, to get money out the door. We don't have a working, functioning system that directly can pay people with disabilities in our country like we can do for seniors or families with kids. And, you know, that was the motivating factor behind both the speech from the throne commitment to a disability inclusion mm-hmm. plan and the fall economic statement uh, investments, particularly in employment initiatives for people with disabilities. We know we need to do a better job. We've known that for a long time in the disability community, but we really are what you know what you said earlier, putting our money where our mouth is. Mm-hmm. Let me just ask you a bit more about the $600 one-time payment. I've heard mixed messages about that in the disability community. Some groups are really happy to have the support, yet others have been quite vocal in saying it's not enough, not nearly enough. What would you say to those Canadians who feel that a one-time $600 payment falls falls far short of what's needed? Well, first of all, I say they're not wrong in the sense that, again, as I said, People with disabilities in this country are not sufficiently supported to live with dignity, to to access the supports they need from both, you know, both levels of government, but I'd say all levels of government. Um, and in doing this one-time payment, it was putting a marker in the ground for the government of Canada that we need to recognize our relationship with our citizens with disabilities directly. We need to be able to um, not always go through the provinces, although that was a real, you know, that was a really hard thing to kind of manage mm-hmm. about, you know, provinces and the relationship between this payment and disability support payments and clawbacks and what we'd experienced with CERB. It was really difficult and it shouldn't have been. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, part of what we're doing moving forward is working to ensure that it won't be in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, a while back, I had Paul Claude Belroube on the program from Casto, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how one of the things that they're working on is uh, making sure that in the event of another pandemic or large scale crises, people with disabilities are not left out of the equation. Can you shed a bit of light on some of the plans the government has to ensure that future pandemic planning is responsive to and inclusive of people with disabilities? Absolutely. So Accessibility Standards Canada, as you know, is tasked with creating um, standards, legally binding obligations for uh, in different areas of priority. So as soon as the pandemic hit, I wrote to um, ASC and said, please kind of rejig your priorities, look at emergency response, figure out what standards we exist out there, what we need to do to be ready for emergencies of the future. And that's exactly what he was referring to. I'll mm-hmm. give you a really good example. So before, before COVID-19, it was not common practice to see ASL and LSQ at announcements by, uh, by politicians, by the prime minister, by senior uh, law enforcement. Now you see it every day. Every single day you turn on the television, the news is signed in ASL and LSQ. Um, The Mm -hmm. Prime Minister won't do a press conference anymore. This is an extraordinary advancement, something that we've been working really hard for and something that is now common practice. This will now be a standard. You will not see Government of Canada announcements anymore that aren't signed. That's a really strong legacy of this. It's unfortunate it took a pandemic for this to happen, Mm -hmm. but it did, and this is an opportunity to us to put this into regular practice moving forward, no matter what's going on in the world, um, Canadians who are deaf or hard of hearing will have access 
to an alternate format of communication through ASL and LSQ. That's the kind of thing that they're trying to bake into the system through ASC. Let me ask you a bit about health equity, because uh, back in the spring, I had on the program Trudeau Lemons, who is a researcher in in, uh, in Ontario, uh, and he co-authored yep. a paper that said that you know Canadians with disabilities are afraid of having, or not having rather, access to ventilators. And more recently, I'm sure you've heard all the headlines and swallowed the news about Joyce Eshaquan, who is a, the Indigenous woman in a Montreal hospital who was uh, who came to the hospital because she was extremely sick, but was treated abysmally on uh, at her bedside. Do you worry about racism and ableism in the healthcare system at a time like this when every day we hear headlines about ICUs being overburdened, scarcity of resources? Do you worry that people with disabilities will get left out again? I worry a lot about that. I worry that our healthcare system is discriminatory and has built in um, barriers to inclusion and equitable treatment for our citizens with disabilities you know part of the impetus for even getting the covid disability advisory group up and running was what we were hearing was happening with triage policies around the world who where covid hit there first and you know how are we going to make sure our citizens were treated equitably you know and it, it's challenging and this is not an excuse but it just means we just have to work harder on relationships when healthcare is primarily provincial and different di- delivered differently across the country but we can show leadership at the federal government we can create national guidelines um, we worked really hard with public health agency we created a document to guide decision making around um, care for persons with disabilities in a covid environment we got provinces to allow um, their vi- visitor policies to be changed so people could have support people come into uh, healthcare facilities with them because they were being denied at the beginning. Um, it, it was a lot of work behind the scenes, and I'm grateful to our disability advisory group for uh, alerting us, helping us, advising us. And, you know, we talked to all the ministers of health across the country. We talked to our minister of health and public health experts. Um, absolutely, this has completely laid barren um, the systemic discrimination in our health systems. And again, this build back better opportunity, we cannot waste it. Part of not wasting that opportunity, I think, would also be giving some assurance to Canadians with disabilities that when we finally get a vaccine, I mean, they're in development right now, that Canadians with disabilities mm-hmm. will not be forgotten in that instance. So what guarantee is there that Canadians with disabilities will not be last in line? Important question, and I can offer my assurances that in our um, commitment to a disability-inclusive pandemic response rooted in human rights principles, we are making sure both that particular groups of people aren't forgotten or put aside, Mm -hmm. but also that, in fact, certain vulnerabilities within these groups make them, put them to the front of the line. You know, we're Mm -hmm. working closely with provinces to determine who gets the vaccine first? It's a very difficult, tricky, com- you know, conversation around frontline workers and healthcare workers and essential workers and vulnerable populations and seniors and people with disabilities. But we are definitely part of those conversations, and I am super confident that this is not going to be an afterthought. I'm so happy to hear that. We've got a few minutes left, and later on this this afternoon, I'm going to be hosting an event uh, organized by the Alliance uh, for Equality of Blind Canadians. Uh, the big focus for them is, during the pandemic, making sure that youth 
is adequately supported. Wanted to chat with you a bit about that and making sure that employment opportunities are opened up for youth with disabilities in re, uh, in efforts to uh, stimulate the economy after the pandemic, making sure that post-secondary education is responsive to youth with disabilities. What is the government proposing on that file? Um, you know, youth have really been harmed by this pandemic and there's a potential for long-term consequences for an entire generation if we're not really deliberate in our efforts to make sure young people are supported. When we put in place the student benefit, for example, we put an additional top up for students with disabilities. We have doubled the Canada Student Loan grant portion for students with disabilities. We're working with the National Association of Students with Disabilities um, needs. We are, you know, investing $65 million yesterday over the next year in the Opportunity Fund, which is, which focuses on employment of people with disabilities, but youth will be um, a, a subset of that as we look to make sure people, you know, continue to advance. Yeah. I personally think it's, it's the best thing to invest in is our young people. I think of all the things we can invest in, young people, particularly young people with disabilities, are innovative and creative and problem solvers and confident and bold. And even, you know, they're going to they're gonna fix all this for us in the future. So I'm really invested in making sure we do right by them now so that we set them up for the success that I know is, is within them now if we unleash that potential. Um, certainly a big focus for me personally. And, you know, I've just come off a week of UN meetings. And let me tell you, young people around the world are demanding that they be included and that they be treated equally. And it's up to us as leaders to make sure they are. Let's go back to the beginning of the conversation. International Day of Persons with Disabilities is at its heart a celebration. I know a lot of a lot of things are happening at once uh, with the federal government, but what is the government doing to acknowledge the day and make sure that people with disabilities are um, not just remembered, but that their voices are included in those celebrations? One of the exciting things I've seen happen over the past five years is how many events and celebrations and awareness raising campaigns and initiatives exist around IDPD in a way that even five years ago they didn't. I I had to create an event to raise awareness about the day and now I've been participating virtually in IDPD events for two weeks making sure that we can do everything we wanted to do in that one day. We are definitely highlighting our commitment to disability inclusion. We are celebrating the champions in our community who have worked so hard to um, you know forge the path for those of us who get to come after them and you know really showing through our actions whether it be through the speech from the throne through the fall economic statement that we are committed to action like this is the time for government action on disability inclusion we've laid the foundation with the accessible canada act we've create a disability equality statement we have a minister of disability inclusion but it's through the you know the disability inclusion action plan that people are going to see the change that we've we've been working so far so hard for um for years and that's that's what to me idpd this year is about is really from from foundational law and policy to action Minister Qualtra, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. The time always flies by, and I really thank you for your <laughs> candor and for being so upfront with us. So thanks a lot for being on the program. That was the Honorable Carla Qualtro, Minister of Employment, Workforce Development, and Disability Inclusion. It's a big day for us. As you heard from the Minister Carla Qualtro, she acknowledges that there are many problems facing Canadians with disabilities. 
but she also assured us about her government's commitment to ensuring that people with disabilities don't get left behind. Our friends at the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians also want to make sure that people with disabilities, particularly people who are blind or partially sighted, have a voice in the political process. I'm very pleased to welcome to the program Minette Samaru, who is the president of the AEBC Toronto chapter and someone that I haven't seen in quite a long time. Minette, hello. It's so good to have you on the program. Well, thank you, Juita. It's my pleasure to be here. Big day for you, Minette. A lot of work and a lot of planning. I'm sure a lot of sleepless nights have gone into this conference. And now it's only mm, less than three hours away. How are you feeling? Well, I'm excited and nervous at the same time. I, you know, we have participants from all across the country joining us today for the first time at this event. And I am just little nervous about the technology i hope it does not disappoint us but we have a packed program and there's a lot of information that will be useful for everyone today Mm -hmm. now just tell us a little bit about your program so just give us a bit of a sneak preview of what they can expect to hear at today's conference so we have the opening remarks by dr michael j prince who's a professor at the University of Victoria, and he's also at the COVID-19 Disability Advisory Committee. So he has some major updates for us. So just look out mm-hmm. for that. We also have Canadian Council of the Blind President, Louis Gillis, who, you know, who is going to be the keynote speaker. And we also have AMI's own Ramya Amitan. That's really exciting. You know, Ramia having her moment in the sun. I also hear you have a bit of a panel planned for the balance of the afternoon. Give us a a sense of what the panelists are going to be talking about. Yeah, we do have a panel session and we do have, you know, a number of of young people on that panel. Mm -hmm. And the reason we're focusing on youth this year is, you know, that from our experience, youth have not been so much involved in advocacy. And, you know, with this pandemic, we've heard about how the pandemic affects seniors. We heard Mm -hmm. about how the pandemic affects persons with disabilities. But there's not so much heard of how it affects youth. So we want to bring the youth forward. We want to give them this this platform to present their story and also to take a leadership role in advocating for themselves. I think that's a wonderful idea. Now, I'm, I hesitate to call myself a youth, but I was a youth not too very long ago. And one of the things I remember from being youthful, Minette, is being incredibly uh, last minute, slacking off and then remembering, oh, 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 this paper's due in like 20 minutes. I have to scramble to get it finished, that kind of thing. Uh, if there's someone who's listening, a young person who realized that they would like to be in on this conference but haven't signed up yet, is it too late to register? Absolutely not. We're still accepting, you know, participants. And up to a few minutes ago, we have over 100 registrants already, which is fantastic. And mm-hmm. we'll be monitoring our, you know, Eventbrite page. And if for some reason someone cannot register through Eventbrite, you could also send an email to aabctoronto at gmail.com. We will get your information and make sure you receive that Zoom link to the event. 
I think that's great. You know, I've uh, I, in another life, I work at this housing agency. I do tenant rights work. And um, one of the things I tried to do was once the COVID-19 pandemic hit, I do all these public legal education workshops and I wanted to put them on Zoom. And so the logistics were in some respects fairly straightforward. You, know, you had this workshop and basically I was going to use Zoom to conduct the same workshop. The trouble I ran into was conceptual in that you couldn't just do the same workshop anymore. If you, you know, I, I don't know if like, I know you couldn't just do a three hour conference or a full day conference and hope to keep people engaged. Did you have to think through some of those conceptual issues as well, Minette? Like, how do you keep someone engaged for three hours, make sure that uh, there are speakers who are engaging, but that people don't lose interest or don't just check out partway through the conference? Yeah, that's why we have like different speakers. We have, and you know, different demographics, different age groups. So it's, you know, it's something for everyone. Why are you excited about the conference? I know it's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, it's a big, uh, it's a big moment for youth to get involved and have a platform. But what gets Minette Samaru excited about the conference? Because you're really leading the charge on this one. Yeah, I'm really excited because of what we're focusing on this year. We're focusing on how COVID-19 has affected persons with disabilities and how we were, you know, we are frightened and frustrated by the way, um, you know, we have been disproportionately left behind. And as you know, our, our, our theme is don't leave us behind. And that is what persons are with disabilities are, are, are crying out. Don't leave us behind. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'll just make one point, you know, there was the... Ontario triage protocol that came out in the yes. spring, which had to be cancelled. And now there's another one that is they're refusing to make public, right? So is that worse than the first one? We don't know, mm-hmm. right? So we, 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 we are frightened, we are scared, and we want our voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. In terms of, you know, having your voice heard and making sure that it goes beyond the conference, how do you hope to keep people involved and engaged and active once the conference is over and everyone goes back to their daily lives? Well, we hope to, you know, make new contacts here and follow up. You know, we want to stay in touch. It, it's what it's what I'm all, all for. I've been trying since I became the president of ABC, making relationships, building bridges with organizations serving persons with disabilities because we have a common interest and if we don't work together we may not be successful so i will continue to engage with everyone who's a part of this event well minette just before we let you go give us that email address again if people want to sign up for the conference it's aebc toronto all lowercase at gmail.com well, I'm going to be keeping my fingers crossed and I'll make sure and I hope that your technology all works out. Looking forward to the conference this afternoon. Good luck to you. I'm sure it'll go off without a snag. Well, thank you very much. And thank you to EMI for taking such a major role in, in this year's event. That was Minette Samaru, who is the president of the AEBC Toronto chapter. And as you heard, you can email them to get registered for the event it's not just for people in toronto being online and being virtual you are welcome to join it from not only everywhere in canada but i suppose all over the world really if you wanted to be a part of that if you missed my earlier conversation with uh, minister qualtro and you'd like to go back and have a listen you can do that by going to any of your favorite podcast platforms and you can also check out 
the event that's taking place later on this afternoon. AMI Audio will be there covering the event, and it will be taking place at 1 p.m. Eastern through 4 p.m. Eastern. So I hope you will tune into this space or you'll log into the Zoom meeting and be a part of the conversation. I'd like to thank Minister Carla Qualtro for giving us some of her valuable time to speak to us about some of the issues that impact the disability community. Big thanks also to Minette Samaru for helping to tee up today's conference. The Pulse is produced by many people. Uh, the technical producer for The Pulse is Nasreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio. And Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And of course, happy International Day of Persons with Disabilities 2020. Stay safe, everyone. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.